Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to the Munkinass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. And a key block by the left guard, Tom Ackerman. And right here, let's go downstairs to Bonnie. Marv, if you remember that uh, big run Robert Holcomb had on the first drive, one of the guys responsible on help busting him loose was Tom Ackerman. Tom Ackerman up front, and this is a unit that has played very well. A good night for Eddie George. 21 carries, 74 yards. The left guard, Tom Ackerman, with the block that, that set him free. It's a first down. Well, it is time for the playoffs. Sports on a Sunday morning continuing. Tom Ackerman with you, not the former lineman of the Titans. I do need to say that every time, but not the former. You can keep that uh, music pumping. Oh, yeah. You can keep it back there, James. Uh, But the Titans, the celebration of the Titans, I think, is due today. Our signal reaches down there to Tennessee. Hello, everybody. Down in Nashville, Tennessee. Congratulations on a win over the New England Patriots, 20 to 13. I don't want to sit here and gloat because I did root for the Patriots in the Super Bowl hard. I mean, really hard. And so did you over the Rams, right? So we owe Tom Brady a lot. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And I did not say that five years ago. I don't even know that he was in my top five 10 years ago, or maybe even five or six years ago. I always said Montana, Unitas, Elway, Marino, Peyton Manning. That was my top five all time. Hard to argue with that, right? Those five? Very hard to argue that. Brady moved into the five, and now he's at one. He is the all-timer. He didn't look great yesterday, and... You know, this is a lot to do with who he has to throw to. And he, there were a couple of throws. He had some real zip on the passes and looked good. Late in the game, threw an interception that was returned for a touchdown, and the Titans beat the Patriots 20-13 to in New England. So this isn't about Brady. It's a little more about Bill Belichick and wanting to see, I think, some new blood, new coaches getting stuff done. I appreciate what Belichick has done. But I like seeing new coaches get things done, and there's no better story to me than Mike Vrabel, who goes back and beats his old team and beats his old coach and does it in a Belichick-type way, just out-coaches and outdoes the old team and wins it 20-13. to 13. Just such a cool story. But I think mostly it's much more comfortable these days watching Boston sports fans. I used to sit there and envy the fact, and I don't like doing that, but the fact that Boston was winning everything. Man, it must be great to be a Boston fan. And man, Boston always gets everything. Not this past year. When the Blues did what they did, it it just raises. Did you hear the crowd when the Patriots started to make their move and they looked like they might topple the Titans again and the crowd was so amped and fired up and, you know, they've been 
<laughs> they've been so spoiled, and we label them as elitist fans because they don't know anything other than winning. It just enhances what the Blues did on June 12th, 2019. They go into Boston in Game 7 and take the Stanley Cup from the Bruins. They don't just win the game by a goal. They smash them. It is a, a, a beautiful thing, and honestly, it makes watching Boston sports a little more comfortable now. I, I enjoyed last night. I didn't feel any hate one way or the other, but I appreciate the change in the NFL playoffs. We had a good game on KMOX with the Texans beating the Bills, but I like the fact that the Patriots are out because now I can watch other teams. I can sit back and enjoy it a little bit more. It's always nice to have a villain, but having the same team do it over and over, and especially with all of the videotaping scandals hanging over them and the, the cheating accusations hanging over them, I just got tired of the whole thing. I just want the Patriots out of there, and I don't think I'm alone. So good for the Titans. They're the team that gets the job done, and now they have the task of playing the Ravens. That's not going to be easy. The Ravens have the best player in football in Lamar Jackson. He had a phenomenal year, but it should be a good matchup there. And then the other one is the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, they were licking their chops to play Tom Brady and the Patriots at Arrowhead. Now they get Deshaun Watson and the Texans. That Texans team is good, folks. They have loads of talent. They don't back down from anyone. I like that Texans team a lot. That's going to be a good game at Arrowhead on Sunday at 2.05. We have some good ones today. Minnesota at New Orleans. Let's bring some music back. Minnesota at New Orleans is going to be, here it is. Uh, they'll be playing at 12.05 today at the Superdome in New Orleans. The Minnesota Vikings, the sixth seed in the NFC against the three seed New Orleans. They missed out on a chance to be home field advantage throughout the NFC. Awaiting the winners will be San Francisco and Green Bay. It's like old school, man. It's like going back to the 90s. The 80s in some cases with the 49ers. But those are the two top seeds. Minnesota at New Orleans at 12.05 today, and then Seattle at Philadelphia at 3.40 this afternoon. Those two, that's going to be great also. That'll be on NBC. Joe Buck has the call today on Fox at noon, Minnesota at New Orleans. So the lowest remaining NFC seed will play at San Francisco. And then the other one will play at Green Bay, Lambeau Field. The San Francisco game will be on Saturday, January 11th at 335 the night game will be Tennessee at Baltimore. That's the one we will have on KMOX. We're going to have the Titans and the Ravens on Saturday night right here. And then Sunday, I mentioned 205 will be Houston at Kansas City. They already have a game time for the game at Lambeau Sunday night at 540 on Fox. A night game at Lambeau. The highest remaining NFC seed will play at Green Bay. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from the voice of the Missouri Tigers, Mike Kelly. Let's talk some football with him and some basketball as Mizzou lost at Kentucky yesterday. Mike Kelly joins us next, former host of this show, Sports on a Sunday Morning. I'm Tom Ackerman. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday Morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 11-16. It's sports on a Sunday morning. We've had a fun show so far. 
We heard from the commish, Rick Hummel. We heard from David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago. He has the call on NBC Sports Network today as the Billikens take on UMass. And now we're going to hear from the voice of the Tigers. Mike Kelly is with us back on his old show, Sports on a Sunday Morning. How are you, Michael? I'm well, Tom. How are you today? I am great. Great to hear from you as always. You know, I was thinking about this this morning. 20 years ago, since the greatest show on turf... The greatest show on turf was in the playoffs. They took on the Minnesota Vikings. They smoked them at the Dome. Then they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship. And who had the call on radio that day? Mike Kelly had the call. How did that come about? It was a travel issue, if I'm not mistaken, that led you to becoming the voice of the NFC Championship on Westwood One. Wow, has it been 20 years? Yeah. That's crazy. Um so as I remember it, that morning I was I was literally uh, sound asleep, and I got a phone call, uh, and it was Howard Dineroff from CBS, and he said, "Hey, Mike, it's Howard Dineroff from CBS. Want to know if you're available to do the Rams Tampa Bay NFC Championship game today?" And I hung up on him um, because I didn't know it was him, right? And he called back and he said, "No, no, no, don't hang up. It really is Howard Dineroff." Uh, and I thought it was literally a, like a friend playing a playing a prank because I had been at the Minnesota game and had whined. Uh, for the for the week to the Tampa Bay game about not having tickets, so um, he called and said Howard David was scheduled to do the game, but I think was doing maybe hockey in Buffalo and got uh, got stranded there, and so he said, "Are you able to uh, to make the trip to St. Louis and uh, and do the game?" And so I think I literally made the drive from Columbia. Uh, to St. Louis, went to the Ritz to pick up John Dockery. I think I arrived in an hour and 35 minutes. Um, John Dockery came down and said, I don't even want to know how fast you drove to the game. Um, anyway, went down to the Dome. Uh, got a chance to meet Matt Mellon, who I was going to work with that day. Keep in mind, I didn't have any any notes or depth charts or, or anything like that, so went to our friend Mike Bush and said, hey, can I copy whatever you have? And so we literally uh, put it on a, on a copier inside the dome and, and got an eight, eight and a half by 14 copy. Uh, Mike, Mike bailed me out. Um, you know, so it was just, it was, it was one of those, those things that you, know, you don't expect to happen, but it, uh, it was something you'll always, always remember. Wow, that is incredible. I mean, I didn't realize that you had, I think you've told me the story before, but I didn't realize the phone call came that morning and then you had to make that all of those adjustments that quickly. As a play-by-play man, you want to have preparation as much as you can, but then again, your adrenaline's going, you have confidence because you've been calling games for a number of years. I'm sure you had some butterflies, but you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's a big game and, and you've called yeah. big games. Well, you know, you, you walk down the field and never, uh, I won't forget the Dockery and I went down to the field because uh, it was my opportunity to meet Matt Millen for the first time who we were going to work together. And Matt Millen's standing, um, you know, on the field next to Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long, and I think Dan Dirdorf might have even been at the huddle at that point in time. And, and for me, you know, a kid that grew up in Dupo, Illinois, the Sesame Street song started going through my head one of these things is not like the other uh and uh you know it was just a it was just a memorable experience for the rams to to win it in a tight game on a you know Kurt warner to ricky pro uh throw down the left sideline it was uh it, it, it was fun 
Yeah, you called that uh, Ricky Prohl's touchdown to win it 11 to 6 over the Bucks. I was in the tunnel looking out uh, on field level at the dome when that moment arrived and it was an incredible moment with Ricky cradling the ball and crossing the goal line and the pylon and the the Rams go on to win this and go on to the Super Bowl and it was a, a unbelievable feeling that St. Louis's football team was in the Super Bowl. Uh, I remember being the lead uh, on CBS News right after that. So I came out. They wanted me to come on live. I did a report. The snow was starting to fall outside. Exactly. Right? And then went back inside. So Randy Carricker and I had the postgame show. So we scrambled to do the postgame. He was down in the locker room. I went back to KMOX to host. And we tried to get a hold of you. And you were so quick to join us and to talk about your experience. And we were just laughing like with tears. I mean, so proud of you and so happy for the moment. It was just overwhelming the whole day. I'm sure you were just kind of floating on your way back to Columbia. Yeah, it was really a, uh, I I think surreal is probably the best way to describe it. But, uh, and I got to tell you, you know, John Dockery and, and, and Matt Millen were so gracious and so kind. Matt Millen's only word to me, uh, when, when we talked about style and approach, he just said to me down on the field, he said, don't interview me. You know, said, don't ask him, you know, what about this? Well, what about that? Let's just call a game and organically let things take place. And, and I think we did. I think it went, went very well for the first time and the only time that we ever worked together. So, and, uh, but he was, he was tremendously kind, um, you know, during the course of, uh, during the course of that day. And so, uh, you know, very memorable. I do remember the snow starting to fall and thinking, okay, how am I going to get back to Columbia? Cause it was starting to come down pretty, pretty heavy at that point in time, but it was just, uh, you know, and, and to think I'll never forget time. I'll, I'll never forget the explosion inside of the dome. When, when, when Prohl caught the touchdown pass to really seal the victory for the Rams, uh, the place just the, the 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 it was always loud, right? When it was sold out, and, and at this point in time, though, it was a it was a sound that that I don't think has ever been duplicated. And to see you know the Rams fans you know respond the way that they did, um, you know, and, and to think that you know an owner reaped the benefits of that response for so many years and then ripped it away from them—that's a story for another day, I guess. Yeah, what an experience that was. It was so loud you could feel it in your chest, you know. And then I went down on the field, and I one thing I remember, I, I remember running around trying to get interviews with players, and I got I flagged down London Fletcher, and I looked at him and I said, London, do you believe this? And he looked me square in the eye and he goes, yeah, I believe it, and had a big smile on his face. They, Dick Vermeil had that team believing they could win, you know, and that's, yeah. that's the mark of a great coach. Mike Kelly is with us. Yeah. And on, real yeah. quick story yes, about first of all, the other thing I remember about the daytime is, is the other thing too is that you remember the team time to go to work time to go to work, um, and I, I can't remember who had that chance prior to the game that day. But but several weeks later, um, Missouri played at Kansas, and Dick Vermeil was in the crowd, and uh, I walked over to him, and, and he was very gracious. I had met him before when when Mike White was the football coach at Illinois because he and Coach White were such good friends and uh you know i went over and, and and said hi to him and and i said hey coach would you consider joining us at halftime and he looked at me and he said mike i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh larry yeah. smith was the coach of the tigers at that time and this was the first time since then 
that Missouri had fired a football coach and had to hire a new one. And they let Barry Odom go and hired Eli Drinkwitz. I was there for your press conference that you emceed inside the south end zone at Faroe Field a few weeks ago. Eli Drinkwitz got right to work, didn't he? Well, he did, you know, and, and, and I've, I've joked with, with, with somebody since. I said it's finally great to have a football coach that's not named Larry, Gary, or Barry, um, <laughs> you know, to have an Eli. But, uh, you know, in all sincerity, I think he's, he's, he's gone off to a really good start. Um, I've only had a chance to really, prior to the news conference, spend about 10 minutes with him, but I love his energy. Um, I, I love um, how excited he is about being, you know, in this position and having this opportunity. I love how he's embraced, um, you know, my friend Gary Pinkle. Uh, and I, I, I also love really kind of the diversity that, that, that I'm seeing on his staff time is that, yeah, there's a synergy in that each one of the people that he's hired so far has got some type of a relationship or a previous relationship with, with Coach Drinkwitz. But then the other thing, too, is that they've all gone out and, and had their own uh, opportunities to work with others. And so you've got, a, you know, a number of different influences from, from each individual coach. And so um, I'm looking forward to seeing, see who he hires as a, as an offensive line coach um, needed to hire a new strength and conditioning coach. I thought that was one area where Missouri was woeful this year, just in terms of uh, the number of different games in which Missouri was dominated at the line of scrimmage. Um, and so, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, I think he's, he's, I know this, there is Dave matter related the story to me. He, he spoke to, uh, a high school coach, um, and it might have been Carl Reed at Lutheran North, who who said that uh, you know Coach Drinkwitz was down uh, shortly after he was hired at the lake at a, at a coaching conference down there, and had everyone within inside that room um, really excited about you know his vision and about uh, you know his his approach to to recruiting high school kids uh, in the state of Missouri. And then the other thing, Tom, from that day that that, that I remember is. And I thought it was appropriate as the way that, and I think he's the first one to do it like this, uh, to frame how important every fan in every part of the state of Missouri, how important they are uh, to Missouri to be able to build uh, whatever football program they can under Eli, uh, under uh, Coach Rinkwitz. Yeah, got to have them. Got to have the fans and everybody on board. As he said, we are going to be the ones that rebuild this program. Mike Kelly, just a few minutes left before we go to John Mosellock, and I wanted to ask you about last uh, game. Yesterday I watched the game against Kentucky. Missouri's tough. I mean, that's a a tough team, and they hung in there for a while, but ultimately it just seemed like the talent of Kentucky won out, especially in the paint. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman, who's dealing with an injury, um, he came off the bench but uh, they won the battle inside. Well, they did. I mean, Nick, Nick Richards was, was state-of-the-art, um, you know, almost had a career high. Um, you know, and as, uh, as Conzo said in regards to Jeremiah, Jeremiah played. Yeah, he may have pain, but he played, so it means that he was ready to play. Um, you know, unfortunately, Jeremiah has, been, has not been a factor in most of the games this year. Uh, for Missouri, uh, really on either end of the court uh, in terms of his ability to score the basketball uh, and really stay on the court. I mean, he's only averaging about 22 minutes a game uh, because of foul trouble, and he's got to be able to to improve upon that. Uh, the other thing, too, that, that was clear with that game is you had guys that were trying to do things that they just can't do. I mean, Xavier Pinson, when Missouri's up eight, tried to make a couple of plays uh, in transition and against uh, you know Kentucky's length that he just he can't make. 
so he really struggled. Uh, you know, Mark Smith had a hard time getting any kind of an open look. Torrance Watson couldn't get an open look. The one shot that he took from three he made, and he was wide open when he had that opportunity. But, uh, you know, Mitchell Smith started for a, for a fifth consecutive game, but, but really, you know, has got to start providing something from an offensive standpoint. I mean, if you look at Missouri right now, yeah, they're going to guard you, and defense travels. But they just don't have enough scoring right now to to really being able to sustain anything, uh, you know, long term. And that's the one thing that they have to they have to find is they have to find scoring. Yeah, the leading scorer was Drew Smith with eleven. Mitchell Smith uh, was zero for six from the floor. To mm-hmm. accentuate your point, uh, what's next for the Tigers? And do you feel just overall uh, like they can get something going here? I mean, they have Tennessee, they have Florida. Well, yeah, a couple of winnable games at home. You know, you've got to win. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to continue to put yourself in a position to have a better season than you had in in, in the past, uh, better than last year certainly. So, um, you know, yeah, I, they're a team that, that they can compete with with any team in this league. I mean, let's face it, they were up by eight against a team that's that's picked to win the SEC in the first half. And and if you take away a couple of possessions, they probably could have had the lead going into the half. Uh, but uh, you know, they will defend, um, and I think they will continue to compete. Uh, they just have to be able to win. They have to be able to score points because Missouri keeps the game in the 60s. It favors them. A team score above 60 points or above 65 to 70 points, and it's really difficult for Missouri to win games. Great to hang with you this morning. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us on Sports on a Sunday Morning, Mike Kelly. Always great to talk to you. Thank you for bringing up the memories and tell my friend John Moselak I said hello. I absolutely will. There's Mike Kelly, the voice of the Tigers, with us on KMOX. John Moselak is next. Sports on a Sunday morning. It's 1130. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports on a Sunday morning, back on the air. Tom Ackerman with you. It's 11.30 and joining us, as he always does at this time on Sundays, is the president of baseball operations with the St. Louis Cardinals, John Mosellock. Mo, happy new year and great to have you on KMOX. Happy new year and thank you. Happy to be here. It's good to have you as always. Well, 2020, we look ahead to the St. Louis Cardinals. And again, as we discussed last week, you just uh, don't know what this roster is going to totally look like when you start the season in late March and head into Bush Stadium in early April. But as it stands right now, the defending NL Central champions, where do you think your best strength is? And uh, let's kind of start there. Do you have one area of the team you think would be the strongest? Would you say defensively? I'm throwing out that first. Well, you know, I think like when you look at at our club last year, and and, and clearly we haven't made a lot of substantive changes from what we looked like last year to where we are today. I think really it's, it's, can we build off of what we accomplished last year? And, and for us, obviously, there, there were some things that stood out that, that I think really gave us some consistency throughout the entire season. I think it you know, really started with pitching. I think defense was, was right there with it. Now the question is, is where are we going to be from an offensive standpoint? And a lot of the offseason focus has been you know, trying to make sure we can, can, can fix that or improve upon that. And, and hopefully the, the work we're doing on that, which I know doesn't make headlines, it's not something that, that people read about, but, you know, we're pretty excited about the direction we're headed, and we're certainly uh, hopeful that, that we can improve upon that. So 
when you ask, like, what's the strength of this club, I think the Cardinals are almost always defined by how we pitch. Um, you're, you're not going to get through the National League Central if, if you can't eat up innings. And, and historically, over the last few decades, we've been able to do that. And when we do that, we have success. So, you know, I think it starts with our rotation. I think last year our bullpen ended up being um, um, viewed as, as a strength for the club. And so I think when you combine the two, that's something that we feel very good about. Does your ballpark play a big part of that also? Because you, your park, while it's fair, kind of leans more towards a pitcher's park, and you have to play to your strengths, don't you? Yeah, and I, I would actually argue not, you know, that it doesn't lean towards a pitcher's park. It really is. Yeah. Um, I think the, the curiosity will be how, how with Ballpark Village rising up will will when patterns change will it still play the same um so i think we have some question marks as we we look to the future but historically i think when you start with your foundation as pitching it's usually a good place to begin yeah that's interesting uh thinking about all of those things i know a lot goes into how you evaluate the game and going back to offense just from that standpoint it's so i know there are so many factors that go into evaluating how do you improve the offense and some of it, I mean, we're not going to give away on the air. I'm sure you don't want to give away any sort of scouting reports to the opposition, but just in general terms, what, uh, how do you go about doing that? What are some of the things that happen behind the scenes in particular, staying with Jeff Albert and staying with his philosophy on how to guide this hitting approach? Yeah, I think the easiest way to sort of explain it, especially for for more of a public consumption, is obviously last year when we brought in a new hitting coach, a new strategy, a new new approach to how we were going to think about our offense, I think in hindsight, it it really became one of those, a a lot to digest. Maybe we were running before we we understood how to walk. And and so what we wanted to do this offseason was – almost like hit the pause button, go back, start at ground zero, and allow ourselves to move forward. So I just think from a a fundamental standpoint, our hitters, our coaches are more on the same page than perhaps what we thought was happening last spring. And, of course, that goes to the minor leagues as well because you never know who you're going to call upon to – to join now, while those players during the regular season can't spend time every day with Jeff Albert, they definitely do in spring training. That's probably the the biggest advantage of spring training is you get everybody on the same page, right? And that happens fairly soon after the winter warm up. You'll start to get some players heading down to Jupiter. Yeah, actually, we have players already in Jupiter, yeah. and good good news for us is Jeff Albert actually lives in Jupiter, so there's there's a lot of. Uh, um, allows us to connect as, as early as possible. So, you know, right now we start our instructional league uh, this week. So you'll have a lot of the minor league players, key minor league players that, that get a jump start on their season. And then um, beginning the following week before winter warm up, we have our, our major league coaches meet down there to really plan out <clears throat> spring training. So baseball and, and Jupiter is, is more than right around the corner. I mean, for us, it's, it's really starting to get into that uh, season prep. It's, it's the calendar's changed, and I think from a staffing standpoint, all of us realize that, you know, it's almost go time. So the, the excitement, the adrenaline, all that changes once you get into January. 
I want to ask about some of your minor league or some of your outfielders as we get closer here, because that's one of the biggest parts of your team you'll have to sort out. And we talked about Dexter last week. I wanted to work a little bit backwards and talk about two that spent more time in the minor leagues last year. And that would be Dylan Carlson and Randy Rosarena. How do you evaluate those two players? Rosarena we saw a little bit more of, uh, but both have been very successful uh, down in the minors. Yeah, they have. Um, you know, obviously those are names you, that, that come up a lot in, in conversations on, on what the future of the Cardinals outfielder outfield looks like. And, you know, I think like, before you can address them, you also have to really sort of focus on what you have with Mr. O'Neill and what you have with Lane Thomas. And because, you know, ultimately we're trying to, to determine who's going to get those at bats. And, and so I think this, this camp in particular is really critical really all four of those names and it's not one of those where where they can approach this as like i've already made the club they really need to approach it as as this is a somewhat of a tryout and you know i think from our major league staff standpoint they're looking at it as as who can fill the void of, of what we're we don't have from the previous year so you know i think defense matters i think offense is going to really matter and, and how they get at bats and, and then we'll have to figure out how that all blends. Now, someone like a, a Dylan Carlson, you know, clearly if, if he's on our team, he has to be playing every day. At someone at his age and where he is in his career, you know, just putting him um, on the big league club to, quote, get experience, that's not going to happen. And so, you know, ultimately, I think as we, we move forward, the next four to six months are going to be really critical on, on how we decide we want to use him. But – I would imagine it's it's a lot like when we talked about other young players. It's if if they're ready, we want them to play. But if they're if they're not, we certainly don't want them just sitting here. So that's going to be time will tell. And you know, one name I didn't even mention is is um, Mr. Martinez. And so in, in his case, you know, clearly when you're looking at trying to find at bats, and and that's why I think like as you look at the club right now, our roster's not necessarily quote complete there's there's still some fluidity in it still some decisions to make and you know obviously we'll take advantage of the next uh, five to six weeks to work through that martinez o'neill lane thomas randy rosarena dylan carlson some very talented names you brought up there and o'neill's a player who was left off the postseason roster i would guess mostly because the lack of contact he's not able to make contact and harrison bader would fall into that category as well although his defense is so good I guess that's your biggest challenge with O'Neill and Bader, isn't it? Is just the approach, and uh, especially against the breaking ball, they showed uh, that they were susceptible to those. Yeah, I also think they're they're a little bit different type of hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you when you look at O'Neill, he's someone that you know if you gave him 650 at bats, he might hit 40 home runs. Yeah. Now he might strike out 30 percent of the time or or more, which you know that can be a little scary too, but. You know, depending on how your, your your team looks, you know, maybe you can get away with that. So, you know, those are some of the questions internally that we got to work through. Final couple of quick ones for John Mozeliak, Carlos Martinez. Is there any update on his progression? You know, we talked about him last week, and he has begun his, his throwing program in terms of, of how he feels. He feels good in terms of what that means for the future. I still think those are a lot of question marks. Um 
I'm hopeful that he will get into Jupiter soon. And once he does that, I think we'll have a better feel for what that answer looks like. And then coming out of the holidays, we've seen that free agent market and trade market also be pretty slow, I think, on the trade side. Just what have you uh, seen and what do you expect uh, here in the next? I'm not uh, asking if you're going to do anything, but I'm just looking at the market as a whole. What do you see here coming out of the holidays? Maybe a little more activity? I would imagine. Um, I, I would say this past week, you know, we felt a little busier in the office in terms of, of talking with clubs. And, and you know, clearly the, the holidays in baseball, which it's technically not, you're not closed, you're not off, but there's always that, that ebb and flow of, well, can, you know, do we have a moment to take a breath or not? And, you know, obviously as we, we enter into the week of, of January 6th, um, Fridays when you have to um, make your your uh, present for arbitration in terms of your filing numbers, and so I think like this week you're going to see a lot more activity. You're going to see a lot more phones ringing, and you know baseball. I think as we 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 normally see it, we'll we'll get more active. Appreciate the time very much. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Beautiful day here in St. Louis, and always great to have you on Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. John Mosellock with us on KMOX. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Kurt Hunziker is the president of the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL, and we are getting closer to their opener at the Dome at America's Center. Kurt, it's great to have you back on KMOX. How are you doing this morning? Doing very well, and thank you for having me, Tom. Uh, Everything that we're doing is all about the love of football, bringing football uh, to a time of year where there's really nothing, and it just helps to have the fan base here in St. Louis be so keyed in with everything we're doing now that we are 49 days out from our first home game. 49 more days until the first game. The first you're I like how you advertise this as the first homegrown pro football team. That's true. I mean, the St. Louis Cardinals came from Chicago. The St. Louis Rams came from Los Angeles, as we all know, and we've talked about a million times. This is the St. Louis Battlehawks. This is our football team that we are starting. There has to be something very exciting and busy, I'm sure, but very exciting about starting a franchise, Kurt. No question. And the fact that we led with that really put the onus on the community to help co-author the story. <clears throat> We've been not shy since day one asking St. Louis to, hey, what, what's your feedback? Uh, what do you want us to do? What do you want the Dome experience to be like? So when people walk into the Dome on February 23rd, everything they see was truly built by the fan base in St. Louis, not just what we created in the front office. It's This is truly St. Louis's homegrown professional football team built by the fan base. I noticed on Twitter, I was looking at your Twitter account today as I follow you. It's K Hunzecker, K-H-U-N-Z-E-K-E-R, where you're celebrating the fun facts as you get a little closer, and this is uh, 49 days away. You talk about it, and as soon as you put out that logo, people said, man, if you flip that upside down, it says STL. Well, you say not everyone is asked why there are only two letters that connect in the word mark when there's plenty of space 
to separate them. Uh, what do you mean by that, Kurt Hunziker? Well, <clears throat> this goes to the fun. And even, I mean, there are so many layers of fun and <clears throat> just unique aspects that we can play around with. And the two T's in the Battlehawk word mark are joined, and they're the only two letters that are connected. And that's call out to Pi 314. And the upside down STL, I thought, would have been a harder one to find than the Pi being the only two letters that connect. And then people, I mean, like you said, it was instantaneous. And I don't know why people would flip logos upside down, but they did, and they found the STL. The Pi is the one that people haven't really found. And and for us, when we when we talk about it at our various fan meet and greets that we have all, all throughout the city, when we did the high school football campaign, when we pointed that out, they're like, ah, you know what? I like your guys's per- I like your guys's personality, and that just really from a from a visual standpoint highlights the the fun that we plan on having at the dome starting on February twenty third. I see your vision in a lot of ways. What MLS is doing, MLS knows that soccer is a growing sport in this country and that it appeals to a mostly young, not all young, but a very young professional audience. They're looking for some fun, something to do, some places to hang out and watch exciting sporting events. I think you're doing the same thing. Now your tickets are very affordable. As we've mentioned, you can get a season ticket for what about a hundred bucks. For all five games. Yeah. $20 a game for five. But you, you have, a product that I think a young person who's working in St. Louis can affordably buy a season ticket, go watch some football, which is not a sport that necessarily is on the rise. It's risen. I mean, it's, it is the sport still in the country Uh, and watch it up close and be part of it. And this is just another way dropping a little pie in the battle Hawks uh, is just a way to appeal to people and kind of a little wink and a nod that you're cool, you're 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 on the rise, you're marketable, you're fun. Uh, all of those things apply. This is more than just the game on the field, which we'll get to in just a moment, isn't it, Kurt? No question. And the approachability of, of our team, the front office, has been and continues to be one of our core values. You know, we want, I mean, by going out in the community and asking the questions and actively listening to them, I mean, that's how you build a franchise. And that's how my vision of of how to grow this team and this market, I mean, this is a phenomenal football market. We all know it's a great sports town, but it is a phenomenal football market. And being able to bring America's most popular sport, I mean, the, 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 the numbers of people watching football on Saturdays and Sundays is just outrageous. We're providing football fans more of the game that we all love at a time of year when there's no other football. I mean, there would be people who would cry in their pillow when the Super Bowl ended. Well, the following Saturday and Sunday, you're going to have four football games. You're going to have 12 more hours on Fox, ABC, uh, ESPN, and FS1 every week all the way through the draft. And so we're going to have professional football players uh, playing at the top abilities, um, providing that, that, that great Board, that great watching um, uh, the game is fast-paced, high-octane action. And while it's going to be great to watch on TV, it's going to be even better to witness live. And that's really where we've been focusing in on it, is on the dome experience and all the fun that we can have. And, and the winks and the nods are, you know, how to start the conversation with fans. And then as we continually have been building out what the dome experience is going to be like, we've been going back to fans saying, hey, is this what you had in mind, what about this? And and therefore, we're pretty excited about what Battlehawks fans will be seeing on February 23rd. 
We have about a minute or so left with Kurt Hunziker, the president of the St. Louis Battlehawks. I see that the commissioner of the XFL, Oliver Luck, is going to have a conference call with the media on Tuesday to go over the rules. So here we go. I mean, we're getting we're getting really close. What what can we expect from a a football standpoint? Is is there anything that strongly differs from what we're used to from the NFL to college football? If you know what I mean, uh, it, it's going to look just like football. Uh, except what the, the elements that we wanted to look into, the, the rules, so to speak, were the things that fans said, you know what, we really love football, but these are the areas that either we miss or we'd like to see improved, and, and one of them is the kickoff. People miss the kickoff return. It's almost non-existent in both the college and the fall game. And so you'll see those kind of rule uh, enhancements really speaking to the innovation you know, those areas where we can make the game better based on what fans want us to focus in on. But really, and you kind of spoke to uh, young fans and, and getting them connected into the game. People want fast-paced action. They want high-octane. They want, like, constant go, 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 go. I think what people will see come Tuesday with the rules, and there's probably five pretty good uh, enhancements. I mean, again, they're not gimmicks. And once Oliver explains them all, and people see the the videos in action, I think it's like, oh, man, I cannot wait to see that live. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, XFL.com, it really is fun to think about. It really is. I love the thought of the kickoff return. XFL.com, for all the information on the league, go right to the Battlehawks. Get your tickets. And, Kurt, we appreciate the time very much on KMOX. Tom, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to uh, seeing you at the Dome on the 23rd of February. I'll be all over it. This is Sports on a Sunday Morning. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.